Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In just about a week, my family and I are going to be taking a vacation up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan uh, to go to the camp that my family has owned since before I was born. And one thing I love about that place is the night sky. On clear nights, you can see the Milky Way, and it seems like there are so many stars that sometimes it's actually hard to find familiar constellations. The northern lights sometimes also appear lots of wonderful memories. Throughout the day, we usually spend our time at the beach near our camp or playing in the water, uh, having s'mores at night and sitting around the campfire, creating lots of wonderful memories together. And memories are really important because memories shape how we live. Memories from childhood of what it was like to grow up in whatever home we grew up in. Memories from school and friends we had or people that were maybe not our friends. Memories of current events throughout history that we may have lived through wherever it is we have lived. Those things shape how we see the world. They shape how we see ourselves and how we relate to others, right? Our memories shape how we live. But as I think about going up to our camp, it's not just creating these new memories. It is also these other memories that are shared there. Besides the night sky, I really enjoy sitting around the campfire. And that campfire has been a place where I have heard the memories of many people. My parents share memories there over and over again. My siblings share. I hear stories from aunts and uncles. And I hear about places that I have never been. I hear about faces that I have never seen events that I have never participated in. And yet I have heard those memories so many times that it's, it's almost like they become part of my own memory. I now like see faces and see these events even though I wasn't there. And I know my memory is obviously not accurate because I wasn't there. Yet these sharing of memories have become part, in a sense, of my own memory. And those two shape how we live shapes how I relate to my family, how I view other people, situations that I think are funny or that are frightening. It shapes how we live. Today, I really want to focus on God's words that we have in the story of Genesis today. And I, remember, I imagine for many of us, it's probably a somewhat familiar story of the flood and Noah. This is a story that often shows up in children's books, children's Bibles, it's in children's Sunday school songs. And even if you go to toy stores, you can often find like bathtub toys that have arcs and boats or bed sheets that are the same. Which kind of bothers me because this isn't really a great children's story. It's a very sad story as far as it starts out. God has created everything and it's wonderful and it's good and it's thriving. And he creates people in his own image that they might bear his authority and carry out his love and care for the creation. But by the beginning of the story of Noah, God looks at his creation and it's full of destruction. And it's full of destruction because of the human creatures that were there. This is not what God planned. God didn't plan for his creation to be filled up with destruction. He intended it to be full of life, to be full of abundance and peace. We hear at the beginning of the story of Genesis that God regrets making people and it grieves him to his heart. 
This isn't what he planned. And so he instead decides to wash the whole thing clean, to send a flood to wipe out all that destruction. He speaks to Noah. Noah builds. Animals show up two by two and also seven by seven to go into the ark. And God sends the flood upon the earth. After the flood subsides, after hundreds of days, Noah and his family and the animals all come out, and Noah makes a sacrifice. And we hear that this aroma goes up before God, and he smells the sacrifice, and he says in his heart, never again will I flood the earth and destroy all things. Never again, even though the hearts of people are wicked from their youth. Even though nothing, it seems, has changed, right? God understands that problem of wickedness remains that part of the issue. And yet he commits to never destroy the earth by a flood. We see God's desire. He doesn't want destruction. He wants his creation to flourish. And he expresses this desire in a covenant to his human creatures. But this covenant is special because it's not just to Noah, And it's not just a covenant between Noah and his descendants. It's actually a covenant between God and every living thing. All the animals that come out of the ark, the things that crawl along the ground, the birds that fly, all living things. God makes a covenant with them. And then to remind himself of this covenant, God puts a bow in the sky. I find that sometimes we often think the rainbow is a reminder for us. Right? We're supposed to see the rainbow and remember that God is merciful. But the text is clear and repetitive. The rainbow is actually for God to see first and foremost. He says, I have hung my bow in the sky, and when I see it, I will remember. God is intentionally putting something there to shape his memory, because when God remembers, he acts. We see this earlier on in the story of Noah, Noah and his family have been on the boat with the animals for 150 days, and we hear God remembers Noah and his family and all of those animals, right? God's memory. He remembers, and what happens? He acts. He sends a wind, and he starts to blow the waters away. In the story of the Exodus, God shows up to Moses, and what does he say? I have remembered God's memory. I have remembered my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have come down. When God remembers, God acts. And that memory of God is an invitation for his people to also remember his mercy. When Noah and his family and the animals come out of the ark, there's a lot of parallels between that story and Genesis 1. Some sections that are almost verbatim as well. They come out and it's like God is trying to sort of restart because he wants his creation to flourish. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? Reminding his creatures that he desires life. But not everything is the same. Now God understands that problem of wickedness still remains. And with that wickedness, God has some changes, He says he's going to hold people accountable. And not only people, but he's actually going to hold animals accountable also for the blood of human creatures. God doesn't want more destruction. He doesn't want a Cain and Abel story again. 
He wants things to thrive, even though he knows the problem of wickedness remains. He is shaping the memory of his people that they might live differently, that they might hear his promise of mercy and live their lives accordingly. God continues to promise to remember not just his covenant with Noah, but most especially his new covenant with Jesus that has been established by his blood. And it's a covenant that's established not simply for human creatures, but also for all living things. God's desire is still not to destroy, but to make his creation flourish. And he is accomplishing this through his son. But he is doing so by going to the very heart of the issue. Christ shows up, right? And what does he do? He brings life. He brings healing. He brings abundance. But he also becomes sin to take care of that issue of the heart. He becomes sin. He doesn't uh, come around and kill anybody. Instead, he dies and offers his life for the many. He brings forgiveness, and by his resurrection comes the promise of the resurrection of the body. And after the resurrection of all the dead, as we say in the creed, comes eternal life. And we hear Paul talk about this in Romans chapter 8, that after that takes place, the entire creation is set free from its bondage. God's desire in Christ is that all things would flourish. And he is still working that out in Christ by bringing restoration to his human creatures as he has made us in his image. God remembers his mercy and he continues to work his acts of grace. This incredible covenant of life and forgiveness and salvation is also established with a sign. And by sign, I I don't mean something that sort of resembles something else, but like a concrete thing, right? A rainbow in the sky is a rainbow in the sky. But God establishes this new covenant also with the sign. On the night when Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body. He also took the cup and gave it to his disciples saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Right? It is his body and blood. But the reason I mention this idea of sign here is because he says, do this unto my remembrance. We're probably more familiar with the language of do this in remembrance of me, in which it sounds like we're the ones that are remembering. Grammatically in the Greek, the words can actually be translated as do this unto my remembrance. And historically speaking to the scriptures, that's probably a bit more accurate. God, after all, is the one over and over again who remembers. He remembers Noah and his family and he acts in mercy. He remembers his covenant to Abraham and he shows his grace. He remembers his people in exile that he promised to bring them out and he does. He remembers even when his people forget. And he promises that as we share in this meal of his body and blood together, he sees and he continues to remember his mercy. And when God remembers, he acts. This does not mean we can manipulate God's memory. That's not what this meal is about. It's not as if we're going to kind of trick God into saying, ha ha, now you're remembering your covenant. No, this is more like a wife putting a picture of their wedding on the wall in the house as a gift to her husband. It's a gift intended for her husband, but every time she sees it, it reminds her of the commitment and the promise that she made. It's like a husband getting a wedding ring for his wife. 
It is a gift for his wife, but every time he sees it, it is also a, a reminder of the commitment of the promise that he has made. Right? This is a gift of grace that we will be sharing in today together. But it is also connected to the promise that God sees and he remembers. And when God remembers, it is also an invitation for us to have our memories shaped around this new covenant. We are invited as we eat and drink to remember the death of Christ that shapes us as people. To remember the promise of the resurrection and the promised return of Christ. After all, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, as Paul says, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As God remembers, he shapes our memory. And when we remember, we participate in his work in this world, proclaiming what he has given to us, right? It's like sitting around a campfire hearing stories. We are shaped by the memories of God. We are to hear his stories and his work so that his memories and actions become part of us as well. And as they become part of our memories, we share as well and act accordingly. I am so thankful that this congregation has memories of caring for God's creation. Our food pantry outside is us acting to try to, again, help show the abundance that God has created in love towards others. Closing down our space this last year, which was not comfortable and it was hard, was also so that life would be able to continue to flourish, even in some small way. We have other things, though. We also have recycling bins that remind us, right, a physical memory and, uh, and, and, and physical uh, reality here that reminds us of God's care for creation as well. We have our, our spring cleanup outside. We have flowers growing in a flower box outside, which are hard to water in a drought to be sensitive towards water issues, right? All of these things are part of our collective memory together as a congregation. Things we do together that grow out of God's activity for us. Again, it's like sitting around a campfire. We continue to be shaped by God's memories. He shares them with us. But then we also share them with one another. And we continue to be shaped by God's Holy Spirit amongst us. And that's my prayer. My prayer for us today and the weeks ahead is that God would continue to shape us by his actions. That he would continue to shape our memories first and foremost with his covenant of love and mercy in Christ. But I also pray that as he does so, he would continue to use his spirit, that we would also participate in his care for creation, shaping one another's memories, sharing stories, sharing activities that we see and that we do, that the Holy Spirit would continue to foster holy lives amongst us in Christ. God remembers and he acts and he shows his mercy. May we too also remember and continue to act according to his ways. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.